0: Get back on
1: up right now. You want to Warships get ready Worship's getting this. ready. God's we're getting got set. Some come on, things. get on up. Pastors, come on, come on, come on. Like you're excited. Pastor's back and we're going to be The worship team is set here we go. Amen. I'm too for Jesus this morning. Amen. When all I see is the battle. Sure. my positions, you're the Lord over my state, you're the Lord over this nation, you're the Lord over this world. Our voice is lifted, all my love. this morning have your way today anoint your servant we love you in this room in your name we pray and everyone said amen turn to one next to you and say his goodness is running amen
0: It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, amen? amen? Always a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. It's good to be back home. i uh, gone for two weeks. I'm going to see if I remember how to do this after out a couple of weeks. Appreciate the staff that we have. I heard good reports. Give the staff a hand. Would you appreciate all that they did? We spent a week at general council and I'm thankful that I'm part of the Assemblies of God. I'm thankful that we can have open and um, uh, engaging debate on issues and everyone be heard. And uh, there were a couple of things that happened i 'm thankful for. There was a proposed revision of our fundamental truths that 's our basis for fellowship and we, due to some misunderstandings. I think it was appropriately pulled and will be reviewed over the next two years so i 'm thankful I felt like um, a voice needed to be heard. We need to have that voice heard that that uh, we need to be really, really careful when we revamp our our doctrinal stance. Somebody here with me with that. We need to be really, really careful with that and they Pulled it. There were some other decisions made that I think will help us move forward. Um, God is blessing the assemblies of God with outreach among our ethnic brothers and sisters. Uh, We are 6% away from having no. Uh, ethnic majority. What that means is we are uh, 44% of our fellowship is ethnic and growing in the ethnic areas. And that ought to challenge the Caucasian churches to rise up and follow the lead of our ethnic brothers and sisters who are reaching their world. And so it's great to hear that. One really great report I want to share with you about Trinity Bible College and graduate school that I heard at council and you might wonder why do I talk about Trinity so much? Because God is doing the miraculous at Trinity. I serve as the as the chairman of the academic affairs committee, and I serve as vice chairman of the uh, full board at Trinity. And I'm excited to see what God has done. About 10 years ago, I forget how many years they've the the um, Alexander's have been there. The school was in terrible shape, crippling debt. The first meeting I had with um, leadership at Trinity was at a general press re-meeting, and they were trying to raise enough money in August in order to pay salaries because they had fully extended their line of credit, and there was no money to pay the staff at Trinity and if that word got out would have been a tragic thing buildings were in disrepair there were buildings that needed to be torn down really was a mess nobody's fault just how life challenges and sometimes it seems like the way of the world wins how many know what i'm talking about but today it's a different place new buildings all over the campus a prayer center that also connects the sides of the campus so you can stay inside on those cold january days in north dakota that aren't fit for man or beast some days, they can make those um, transitions. And uh, this year at council, I was informed that Trinity Bible College and Graduate School is 100% debt free. (laughs) We've been working on that and there was a single donor who said, let's get rid of this debt, and why does that matter? Because tens of thousands of dollars of the budget were devoted simply to interest before even made payments. It was crippling. And uh, a particular donor said, I wanna see that change, and gave $1 million to liquidate the debt that was remaining. God has people in places of prosperity and affluence. So, if you wanted to do that this morning where right, i check for a million dollars, um, I'd be so thrilled to hear that. The other thing, for the first time in 25 years. Trinity Bible College has not had the access or line of credit. What does that mean? During the school year, you have income, and then during the summer, there's almost no income. and for 25 years, they've had a line of credit with a bank that they borrow from to pay bills, so they can pay that line of credit back when school starts. How many understand what I'm saying? that that's not a healthy way to do business when you borrow to pay bills you're financially in a rough place. And it's pretty common in higher education at this point. The first time in 25 years, not only is the debt paid, they've not had to access a dime of that line of credit in this past year to God be the glory. Amen. God is doing phenomenal things at Trinity Bible College and graduate school. So please uh, remember, um, remember the school in prayer. And that God will continue to raise up. Let me tell you one other reason why I appreciate Trinity Bible College and graduate school. I believe in the need for Christian universities. But I will tell you what I've observed over the years that's founded um, by studies that have been produced. For a church to expand, there has to be a level of Bible Institute training That we would call currently the district schools of ministry it expands the base to stabilize the base you need bible colleges not just universities you need bible colleges that raise up leaders in bible training and then to deepen the base you need christian universities all three have their place but in that chain the weak link today is in the bible colleges in the assumptions of god we only have two left The rest are all Christian universities with a Bible major. North Point in um, Massachusetts and Trinity Bible College are only two Bible colleges that have kept their focus on raising workers for the harvest and added to that some other disciplines as well. And I believe that God's going to bless that and see those ministries expand because I believe that the time has come that we need to see a move of God in our nation and it's going to happen as we raise up workers for the kingdom amen so remember trinity and north point as you pray for our bible colleges the other thing i want to say we did take some vacation time afterwards and um, i'm amazed at what you learn when you're in florida in the center of mice and amusement (laughs) contradictions do contradictions bother you Anybody else get bothered by contradictions? I felt like, and I'll refer to this later, that we were going into the belly of the beast with all that's happening in it with COVID, and I do. I'm not diminishing it at all. There is no question. Please, don't be one of those that says COVID isn't real, and don't be one of those that says the Delta variant isn't spreading. That's ridiculous. It is real. It is spreading, and people are dying. That is true. But with that come a lot of other pressures because both sides of the political aisle will spin those details to their benefit. Both sides, okay? So we're at a particular amusement park in Orlando. (laughs) And everywhere you go, I mean, it's masks everywhere. I'm telling you what, you're in heat that is a million degrees wearing a mask. I've never breathed my own sweat before. And signs everywhere that say six feet, maintain a six-foot distance. Until you get into the, the uh, uh, event or the ride and someone starts yelling at you, please fill all available space. Okay. Oh, no, no, I'm keeping a six-foot distance here. I'm going to keep that. And so in the world that we live, the reason I say that is in the world we live, there is no single answer that works. What we need to have is the blessing of God on our life and not get caught up in the ungodliness that's happening around this pandemic. Come on, help me now. We need to maintain that we are people of the Spirit. That we are people of hope, that we are people of grace, that we have a redeemer, that we're looking toward heaven, and we're going to behave like believers regardless of what's happening in the cultural environment that we're living in. We're going to continue our series this morning through 1 Peter. We took a break for Super Sunday Family Fun Days, and I hope you enjoyed those. How many of you enjoyed Super Sunday Family Fun Days? Wasn't that great? It was a great time. I didn't wear a tie during the month of July, and I asked my wife this morning, should I put a tie on? And before I could finish the question, she said yes. And I got under conviction a little bit during July, Super Sunday Family Fun Days. Every Sunday, Pastor Nathan would walk up to me and say, huh, I'm better dressed than you are today. So I, <laughs> I got under conviction, thought I needed to fix that. But following Super Sunday Family Fun Days, we were, uh, before, previous to that, we were in a series in 1 Peter. Peter is about strengthening the brothers and equipping for leadership. And I'm absolutely convinced that the next step for our church is to establish healthy small groups for discipleship, pastoral care, and building of the body of Christ. And we'll be rolling that out shortly and would like to see as many people as possible engage in that. There is, listen to me, there is a growing spiritual hunger among the unchurched, while there's a declining spiritual passion among Um, Christians who are not fully committed to their faith. Consumer Christianity is dying while there's a rise of Christian, or I should say spiritual hunger among the unchurched. We need to tap in that and reach people for the kingdom because I do believe that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. We need to build those small groups for all of those purposes. And Peter is riding here to talk to us about leadership and what it means to be a leader in Christian circles. You say, well, I'm not a leader. Let me give you the paradigm I gave at the beginning just to remind you that for you to be spiritually healthy, there needs to be at least three components that are in your life. For you to be spiritually healthy, you need a mentor. You need someone that's pouring into you. Come on, help me this morning. You need someone pouring into you. For you to be healthy, you need somebody that you're you're teaming with in the work of the kingdom. friends, co-laborers that you're living life together with. And for you to be healthy, you need to be pouring into somebody else's life, a leader in that sense, in their lives. We were all called to make disciples. That means that all of us need to be equipped for that purpose. Ephesians tells us that the vocational gifts come to the church to edify the body, to do what? To do the work of the ministry. So this isn't just for leaders. It's for everyone that wants to be healthy. You need someone pouring into you, you need someone you're teaming with, and you need someone that you're pouring into. And Peter tells us what kind of person you need to be to build a life of another individual. You remember in Luke chapter 22 that when Peter boasted that he would never deny the Lord, Jesus said to him, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, Peter. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back or when you are converted, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Strengthen them. So he had a specific call to strengthen the brothers and sisters coming out of failure how to build them up. In chapter one, we understood that leaders celebrate the new birth, that everything we do is about men and women, boys and girls coming to faith in Jesus Christ. In chapter two, we talked about cravings, pure spiritual milk, that we want authentic, authentic experiential worship that we're moving into the place that he's talking to us and we're talking to him and he's touching our lives. In chapter three, talked to us about the power of submission. You can't be in authority until you learn how to be under authority. You can't be a leader until you learn how to be a follower. And he talks to us about the power of submission. When we come to chapter four, the next piece that I think is incredibly relevant to us today is that we need to develop to recognize the value of suffering. We need to recognize the value of suffering. Who is Peter writing to? strangers, meaning those who have been cast out of their homeland because of persecution for their faith and are scattered all over the world. And to them, he's saying, you need to understand what God does in the crucible of suffering. Suffering is one of the most underappreciated values of scripture. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. After his suffering, Jesus showed himself alive. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, talking about Jesus in bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the author of their salvation, Jesus, Perfect through suffering. How is Jesus perfected in the natural? Through suffering. Philippians chapter 3, Paul cries out, I want to know Christ. in the power of His resurrection. The fellowship of sharing is his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. If we're going to attain the resurrection, we need to know the power of his resurrection. But we also need to know the fellowship of his suffering. And in Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, John writes, Your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He was suffering persecution. We're living in a day where you need to be fully aware that the easy walk on the broad way for believers is becoming narrower and less stable. We're coming into a time that if you don't have a healthy theology of persecution and suffering you will not endure to the end I love to preach about prosperity I love the verses that say I pray that God will prosper you my desire for you is that you would be healthy and prosperous as your soul prospers give and it shall be given to you press down shake the other and running over shall men give to your bosom those are absolutely true but it's only one side of the story there are those that wandered that were persecuted that were beaten of whom the world is not worthy and in this generation it's time to wake up and make sure that our roots go down deep enough that we can stand the fiery trial that i'm convinced is happening now and will continue to happen in the united states when a texas judge can stand up and say if you are not vaccinated and your child gets sick. You will have to wait to another for another child to die before your child gets into the hospital because our beds are full. That's not right. I had three other words that went through my head right there. There were east side words that I can't use in the pulpit. Now, understand, you need to understand something really clearly. I am not, never have been, and will not be an anti-vaxxer. That is not who I am. I am pro-personal rights and personal choice. And I'll defend your right and your decision. But there are other ways for a child to get a hospital bed in a hospital system that is running at 90%. That's called children getting well. Or sending them to another hospital, in another area. Are you hearing? What, do you hear the anger and the animosity? Is anybody getting what I'm saying? You're going to have to wait for a child to die before yours is treated. Went on to say, if you're in a car accident and your child is on life support, we won't be able to help them because of so many anti vaxxers. That is a really, really unhealthy thing. I saw a friend of mine, Ben Baker, who's a legislator in Missouri. I've done my best to track this down and it looks like it's legitimate that it was on NBC nightly news that the Department of Homeland Security has issued three standards for upcoming terrorist threats. Let me tell you what their concerns are for terrorist threats in the US today. Number one, opposition to COVID measures makes you a terrorist threat. Number two, claims of election fraud, belief that Trump can be reinstated. That is a sign of a terrorist threat. Now, if you believe that, keep it yourself. <laughs> and third, 9-11 anniversary recognition and religious holidays makes you a terrorist threat. Now, you can do with that what you want, and I will gladly... Um, repent of that. If that's not accurate, I did my best to track it down to make sure it wasn't on some spoof site, but it's repeated all over the internet with a screenshot of the NBC nightly news that the Department of Homeland Security has issued those three. I'm just telling you today, church, come on, you've got to hear me. It's a different day than it was 20 years ago. It's a different day than it was 10 years ago. And I've said from the beginning, this is a public health issue, and I believe that it is, but I also believe it's being manipulated by both sides of the aisle for political gain and political purpose to further a political agenda, and we're getting closer to the turn of the Lord, and I've never in my life been more concerned about lukewarm, cupcake snowflake believers that are serving Jesus so they can get a raise, and I'm saying to you, you need to deepen your faith, that you need to have a theology of suffering, a theology of persecution that will get you through the difficult times Because the Bible warns us they are coming. How many wish I took another week off? (laughs) We want to stand the ground of prosperity, and I do. But suffering and glory go hand in hand. Suffering will be part of the life that experiences his glory. And Peter emphasizes that in chapters 4 and 5 as his epistle comes to a close. Under shepherds must have a a sound theology of suffering. So let's go into chapter 4 and see what he says to us to deepen our faith and recognize the value of suffering. And in this context, it's in the context of persecution. Number one, you need to arm your mind. You need to arm your mind. Christ suffered in his body. What makes us think that Jesus who left the splendors of heaven, put on robes of flesh, began to walk on the earth, ends up being crucified, spit on, mocked and cursed, suffered the way that he did, that we would be free of any of the challenges that this life would bring. He's our example. It all starts with Jesus. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Now, let me just pause there for a moment. Arm yourself with the mind of Christ to think how Christ thinks. What he doesn't say to us is if you're going to face suffering in hard times, you need to fast more, you need to pray more. He says you need to arm yourself with his mind because the battleground when it comes to suffering and persecution is as much mental as it is spiritual. It's what happens in your mind. And if you're going to survive, whatever trials you face, and by the way, um, just to clarify who I'm talking to you, how many of you have suffered? talking to all of us, right? We've had those moments. And if you think back at what the biggest struggle was, the biggest struggle likely wasn't what you were going through. The biggest struggle was likely what you were thinking while you were going through it. You need to have the mind of Christ that it helps you get through it. How many times have people thought, where is Jesus? Where's the answer? Why am I going through this? Why am I struggling like this? What have I done wrong? And we beat ourselves up rather than equip ourselves arming our minds with his mind. Now, 1b to 2, I'm going to take just a minute here because this is confusing. Peter talks in one of the epistles about how difficult Paul is to understand. Peter's hard to understand. It's like, what in the world? So what he says is, whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. (laughs) What? What? So if I suffer, I'm sin-free? How many know that doesn't even make sense? If that's the conclusion you draw. Because there are a lot of people in prison right now that aren't sin-free, and they've suffered. There are a lot of drug addicts who have suffered and aren't sin-free. There are a lot of um, evil people in this world that have experienced that. What is he trying to say? He's trying to say to us that God's purpose in suffering is to bring you to a place of purification think of it this way paul writes about in the book of galatians about the same issue when he says don't be deceived god is not mocked Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he'll of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he'll of the spirit reap life everlasting. He's saying to us that sometimes we go through periods of suffering and pain in order to purify us and purge us. In other words, you have a choice to make in suffering. It is, it is rare for a person to make significant change without some degree of pain. It's rare for that to happen. It's been said in some of the training that I've taken, it gets repeated over and over again, that until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change. People choose to remain the same. Now, I wish I could tell you that people respond to positive reinforcement. They do. Positive reinforcement will help you continue on a positive track, but it rarely creates life change. It affirms and enforces, but rarely creates a change. Spare the rod, you'll spoil the child. That's a biblical proverb. So you have a choice. Sin has pleasure for a season. Now, I can promise you that if the first time an individual used meth, their teeth fell out, their face got all pockmarked, and they're trembling like a leaf trying to figure out how to get another $1,000 for the next hit, nobody would use it. Right. Right? They wouldn't because it doesn't start there sin has pleasure in its first stages but God has written into the fabric of the human experience that when you sin there will be consequences and that suffering is intended to turn you from the evil behavior to a behavior that will bring in the blessing of God is that making any sense at all so you have to make a choice when you suffer Do you want to continue on the path that brings more suffering? Do you want to be more stupid? Do you want to be more ridiculous? Do you want to go deeper in that hole? Do you want to pay a greater price? Or can you see that in suffering, there's something in you that needs to be changed? I've got a little word of wisdom for you. If everyone you know is upset with you, The problem isn't everyone you know. Hello? Come on, help me now. Feel like I'm preaching now. If Bob has a problem with Tom and Bob has a problem with Sam and Bob has a problem with Fred and Bob has a problem with Joe, Bob has a problem. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying here? If everything around you, everything is producing negativity, God is trying to say to you, I'm allowing you to go through this crucible of suffering so that you will turn and grow from it. That doesn't mean that all suffering is a result of sin. It means that in all suffering God has something that he wants you to learn. I don't believe that everything happens for a purpose. I do believe that in everything that happens God gives it a purpose and will lead you out to a higher calling in him you've got to arm yourself with that mind that suffering is intended to purge and purify us and how many of you need a little bit of purging done wow the rest of you why are you here you're ready to go to heaven just i said how do you need some purging done we all need that Done. That's what Peter is trying to express in this section. There's a relationship between suffering and sin, and you choose when you're suffering in sin whether you're going to turn from it. It's not the whole story of suffering, but there is a choice you make. Do I want to learn from this and come out of it, or am I going to be obstinate and stay in it? And then in verses 3 and 4, he talks about what the pagans think. He says, by the way, look at how they think. Um, th- They've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry, and they're surprised that you don't run with them. (laughs) Oh, how many know that's true? They don't understand why you live differently. Don't expect them to understand. Arm yourself with the mind of Christ. All I've got to do in some circles is say, yeah, I don't drink, and it automatically puts you on the outside. Come on, are you hearing me now? Oh, we're glad you're here, but we just assumed you didn't come back again. They don't understand why you don't do the things that they do. Why? Here's why they've got a different mind. Their mind isn't armed with the mind of Christ. It's armed with the mind of the devil and the ways of the world, and they can't understand that. And that's why it's so important that you not allow their pressures to put you into the world's mold. And they will, the more that you live right, the more they will heap abuse on you because they want to see you break. But let me tell you, when a drug addict has hit the gutter, they don't look for another dried attic in the gutter to help them get out. They're going to look for somebody who's found a way out. Amen. Come on. They may heap abuse, but there's an answer coming So verses 5 to 7, he tells us that the world will give an account to God. Don't be distracted by the apparent inconsistencies. Don't be distracted by people who seem to be doing wrong and getting away with it. There will be a price to pay. We will all give an account to God. We'll give an account for how we live in this body. Judge for how we live in this body. But our spirits are alive in Christ. And Peter says it's not about what's happening in your body in the moment. It's what is happening in your spirit. Don't judge. Judge it by if everything is going well on the outside judge it by what's happening to you on the inside be alert sober-minded persevere in prayer because the end is coming for all mankind how are you going to approach suffering arm yourself with the mind of christ then he says to us in verse eight and i really want us to grab hold of this we need to learn to love one another deeply in the context of suffering In the context of persecution... Verse 8 says, love each other deeply. There must be a depth to the love that we have for each other, especially in troubling times. Love keeps loving in spite of the sins of others. That's what it means when it covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't condone it, but it loves in spite of it. It loves in spite of their behavior. It loves in spite of what's happening in their life. We need to love one another deeply. That means that I don't turn my back on you when you're in a I don't turn my back when you're sick I don't turn my back when you're in financial need I don't turn my back when you're being ugly I don't turn my back when you're having a bad day I don't look at you and say wonder what's wrong with them I wonder what they did anybody hearing me right now we have to love one another deeply. And I've seen it far too often in the church. Someone goes through a difficult time. And, does, and is this relating to anybody? Anybody get what I'm saying right now? That you look at someone and think, I wonder what they did. I wonder what caused them to get in that mess. I wonder what they did to lose that job. I wonder what happened that this happened to them. No, 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 not in the body of Christ. We don't run. Listen, we don't run from people who are struggling. We run to people who are struggling. We embrace them. We love them. This is the place where people who are struggling should find the greatest level of support, not any level of rejection. Watch what happens in this system. When the world can no longer feed off of you and you have nothing to offer them, they will walk away in a second. They'll leave you on your own. You'll be left by the side of the road and no one will care uh, about what's happening in your life, but not so in the church we come alongside the wounded come on someone help me this morning we come alongside the broken we come alongside the suffering and when it's a child of God we don't say to them get away from me we say can I come alongside you and bind up your wounds and walk with you and love you and care for you we have to learn to love one another deeply in those times of pain and suffering that's what makes the church strong love keeps loving in spite of the sins of others second what does loving one another mean it means you use your gifts to serve others gifts are for ministry and not self benefit we need each other in the gifts that we bring and so whatever your gift is and he enumerates those beginning in verse 9 Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of the grace of God in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, that our gifts should be seen as how they can be used to help others, not how they can be used to benefit me. We tend to look at our skills and abilities as... How can that help me get ahead? How can that help me make some more money? How can that elevate me to a higher place of service? How are your gifts used to help others? When was the last time you did something that blessed somebody else? that you poured into them, that you did something for them, expecting nothing in return, expecting no pat on the back, just, I brought my gift this morning so that I can serve someone, that I can be a blessing to someone. That kind of person never comes to church and goes away angry that no one shook their hand. Oh! That kind of person never comes to church and goes away angry that they ran out of coffee have i been here before i feel like i don't know who you are (laughs) the thrust being your gifts should be to serve looking for an opportunity to serve that loving one another deeply means i'm not looking to be served one of the frustrations and can i just be honest this morning as opposed to other times one of the great frustrations of, uh, in ministry is dealing with Christians who are upset because people aren't caring for them the way they think they should be cared for. Do you know that the Bible tells us about ministering to one another? It gives us two options. You are to bear your own burden, and you're to bear the burden of others. Nowhere does it say, expect others to bear your burden. But watch the miracle that happens when you carry your own burden and you help someone else carry theirs. You know what's gonna happen? Somebody on the other side is gonna be carrying their burden and help you carry yours. And it's like Legos. All of a sudden, we're all interconnected, helping one another, serving one another, loving one another, because I don't expect you to carry my burden. I'm gonna help you carry yours. You're gonna help someone else carry theirs. And when it's all done, we're all helping each other carry one another's burdens. But it comes from a mindset, of serving not from a mindset of receiving that's what loving one another deeply is all about how can I serve because in that God will be praised why do I have to do this why can't it be about me (laughs) because God's not glorified when it's about you God's glorified when you are about others because we talked about being armed with the mind of Christ and loving one another deeply. This is the only place on the planet that this kind of lifestyle and relationship can flourish or even be seen in any form. It's in the body of Christ that has learned how to deal with suffering because when you've experienced some pain and you've been purged a little bit, you're more apt to come alongside someone else. I've shared this story before, so permit me. Um, to do it again this morning any objections seeing none when I grew up grew up on an acreage animals dying was normal we bought a calf that had scours if you don't know what that is look it up later I'm not telling you now and was keeping this calf in a chicken coop to try to nurse it back to health Well that calf started feeling a little bit better, and there was a there was a stoop between two rooms in this chicken coop that we were using for the calf. And when the calf went to jump over it, it caught its back legs and broke its back. And what did you put it down? And in those I don't know what the law said. I wasn't old enough to know what the law says. I just know that there's a big boom and it was dead. Animals died. We pulled heads off chickens, caught rabbits, skinned them, cooked them, and ate them. That, that order is important. <laughs> so I didn't think a lot about it. And we had animals. We had dogs and cats, and and um, you know they would die, and no big deal. Didn't think about it. And so I'd hear about people that would get all broken up when their pet would die and think, get over yourself. Come on, everybody know what I'm talking about? Like, get, what? what, It was a dog, for crying out loud. Even worse, if it was a cat. What is wrong with you? (laughs) And then we got a dog. When Caleb was about four or five, a mini schnauzer that would bark when a leaf fell in Africa. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. I've shared with you, tried to get him to stop barking, he couldn't help it, he'd sit there and go, he could poor thing. <laughs> and then he got tumors. The doctor said we can't do anything, you're gonna put him through misery. And he just needs to be um, put down. So Caleb and I went to the vet and held the dog while they gave him an injection, held him while he died. And that was so emotional for me. I couldn't even talk, tears run down my face. Do I think that that dog loved me in an animal way? I'm sure, I don't equate human attributes to animals. But there was something about all, all that those years were represented in that dog being part of our family. All of a sudden I had a new perspective that I hadn't had before. It changed how I saw it all. A few months later, I'm in the gym. There's a lady that I've talked to a few times there. She looks, I said, it looks like you're battling allergies. Her face was all red, her eyes were swollen. She said, no, we just had to put my dog down. Before Fritz, I'd have said, get over yourself. After Fritz, I said, I am so sorry. Because I know how that feels. And you know, that's all that she wanted. Someone that would understand. Is anybody hearing me now? There's something about going through that valley that allows you to walk alongside someone else. And if you're mocking someone else's pain, be careful, be careful, be careful, because you might have to find yourself in that spot to purify that out of you so that you can serve others out of your pain. Is anybody hearing me now? I'm talking about loving one another deeply, loving one another deeply, that God may be praised so we're going to arm ourselves with the mind of Christ we're going to think about it like he does we're going to love one another deeply in stress and persecution we're not going to divide we're going to grab arms tighter and hold together Hmm. can I say one more thing thank you I do not know how to do everything right i don't pretend to and during covid when that first hit i don't know if we made all the right decisions but seeking god and good counsel i made the best decisions i knew how to make and let me tell you what happened to that whole journey i regularly heard from people who are saying I did it right and said that I did it wrong. You're wrong if you did, and you're wrong if you didn't. The family of God doesn't behave that way. Come on. Uh -uh. Family of God doesn't behave that way. We don't sit back and criticize and run people down. We get a little closer. We link arms a little stronger. We're gonna get through this together. Come on, let's do this together. We may not do everything right, but on the other side of this, we'll be closer than we were on this side of it because we're loving one another deeply. That's the kingdom. That's what we'll face. Then he ends this way. Commit yourself to your creator. <laughs> Choked myself there. <clears throat> I knew what I was going to say, and it was really good. Uh, f- uh, he, d- dear friends... <laughs> sorry, I'm just I'm having a moment here. Dear friends... Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. <clears throat> I saw a video yesterday. If I thought about it soon enough, I'd have used it and posted it. It's a Little League game. And this kid's up to bat. And the pitch comes low. And it is, I'm not kidding you, it's a foot outside. Strike! And he stands there and goes, for a good 60 seconds, like, I I thought, I've seen that look before. Where have I seen that before? Christians in a trial. Why is this happening to me? I don't get it. Why is it happening to me? Who do you think you are? To be surprised that you're going through a struggle. Right. Who, do you, who do you think you are? Do you think you just arrived from Mount Sinai with great new revelation? Who do you think you are? He's saying, don't be surprised. Don't, don't think bad of yourself. Don't be shocked. Well, I shouldn't be going through this. That's why you're going through this. Get a little arrogant out of your soul. A little starch out of your collar. A little reality on the soles of your feet. Don't be surprised. Why is this happening to me? Well, why shouldn't it happen to you? But I've prayed, I've fasted, I read the Bible, I witness to my fish. (laughs) Here's what you have to understand. If you want to partake in his glory, you have to participate in his suffering because it equips you Suffering becomes this, this pathway of God doing something wonderful in your life. So he says, don't be surprised. Verses 14 to 16, don't be ashamed when you're in a trial. And I think that is a plague in Christians. Man, I'm really sorry. Really sorry for what I'm going through. I'm just having a bad day. Leave me alone. Don't let suffering cause you to be ashamed. Now, if you suffer for doing evil, be ashamed. You should be. But sometimes we suffer because it's what happens in our life. We're persecuted. Things don't go go our way. Don't let that. I, I was talking to someone recently about a terrible trial they were going through. And they were feeling beat up because of it. And I said, don't let someone else's brokenness break you. And I would say to you, don't allow the struggle that you're in to condemn you. Because condemnation's from the devil. Don't do that. Well, if I just prayed more, if I just believed more, if I just tried harder, my children would be living for God. I'd be making more money. My marriage would be stronger. Don't Don't do that. There's nothing productive that comes out of being ashamed over your trial. It doesn't help you or anybody else. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Now, if you're doing wrong, be ashamed. Plenty of people that'll help you with that. But don't let others put undeserved guilt on your life. How am I going to do that? Verse 17. This is critical. For the time has come... For it is time for judgment to begin at God's household. If it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It's hard for the righteous to be saved. What will be the testimony of the ungodly and the sinner? What is he saying there? He's saying that God will be purifying His church, and in purifying His church, the world's going to see as that dichotomy, that division grows between the church and the world. They're going to see that they don't have a chance apart from Jesus. They're going to see that we're only doing it because of the power of God He's poured into us, and we need to have that testimony in this world so then those who suffer according to god's will (laughs) i think some of you have never heard that in your bible before i'm going to read that again so then those who suffer according to god's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good Now, that word is chosen uniquely by Peter. He could have said your redeemer. He could have said your savior. He could have said your defender. He could have said your provider. He could have gone on your healer. But he says, commit yourself to their faithful creator. Shall the the thing made say to the one who made it, why have you made me thus? Jeremiah says, that's ridiculous. The pottery doesn't speak to the potter that way. The potter speaks to the pottery and says, this is why I've made you this way. He created you. Do you believe that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? do you believe that you're a child in his hands do you believe that you are his workmanship created for good works do you believe all the things that it says about him as your creator trust him as your creator that's deeper than your blesser deeper than your provider he is the one that created you and the creator has the right to use his creation as he desires commit yourself to him going to end this morning, Pastor Nathan, as you come, I want to end with this revelation I felt like God gave me. I'm going to be a little transparent here, but all of us have battles that we have to fight, and I do battle. I'm I'm not saying this for you to, like I'm going to fall apart, but I do battle with anxiety, and I do battle with worry, and I have to fight that Every day. My wife will tell you I have to fight that every day. And God's given me the tools to overcome that. But getting on a plane and flying into the belly of the beast in Florida where everyone is already dead from COVID. Are you, how many here I mean, it's like, dear dear God, get me out of this somehow. You know, like, make me overwhelmingly sick. Intervene in some fashion. Because my wife is going. She doesn't worry about anything. So we fly. You know, I mean, let's like Florida is the worst place on the planet right now, according to the news. Everybody's dying, everybody's dead. And I'm going to a conference where people are flying in from all over the world, all over the U.S., and missionaries from other parts of the world. Are you serious? So we go to the conference, and nobody's wearing a mask. Now I'm not a mask mandator, but I'm not I'm not anti-mask at all. You do what makes you feel safe, what makes you feel right, and I'm. We can have the other argument, but I'm not I'm not going to fight that fight. And nobody's wearing masks. I wish I wish they would <laughs> walk around. I mean I'm not kidding you. i even told my wife this. I'm walking, trying to make sure in the hallway there's six feet between me and everybody else on the planet. You know I'm. And then we go to that mouse park. And I thought I was gonna die of suffocation. <gasps> <gasps> and, and, and then we're on our way back. And in case you wanna know, I, uh, getting back, I, um, I tested negative for COVID in case you're worried. Gave me relief at least for about 10 minutes. And here's what I thought. Here's, I did all that to get to this. Here's what I thought, God is faithful. Now don't respond, please don't respond because that was the wrong response. And God jerked my chain hard and said, do you ever listen to what you preach? Try not to, I'm just pointing the way. And he said, I am the definition of faithful. I'm not faithful because you tested negative. I'm not faithful because I've blessed your life. I'm not faithful because I've protected you. I am faithful on the mountaintop, but I'm also faithful in the valley. And I faithfulness don't ever judge my faithfulness based on your circumstance bring your circumstance whatever it is to my faithfulness And I'll be with you on 9-11 in the stairway when it collapses. I'll be with you when the cab stalls and you don't make it to the bombing site and live through it because I am faithful and I am always good. He is your creator how will you get through difficult days you commit yourself to the faithful Is anybody feeling that right now you commit yourself to the faithful creator and he'll take you through or he'll take you home but he's always faithful Oh, we don't want that, Pastor. We want a faithful deliverer. We want a faithful God who eliminates all of our struggles. Because if you're faithful, you won't have any struggles. And that condemns people. I'm saying to you, he's the creator. He wants to prosper you. But he's just as faithful to the person who's not had COVID as he was to the person in intensive care with COVID. He's just as faithful. Come on, is there anybody in the house right now? He's just as faithful. He's just as faithful. Hard times may come, are you afraid? Oh no. No, I've been expecting them for a while. I listened to a presentation by our national attorney who said to us, he doesn't see hate speech being used against the church in the near future. Yeah, he may be true legally, I don't see it spiritually. I think we're two or three steps away from that happening. But whatever happens, I'm committing myself to my faithful creator. I'm not judging him by what I receive. I'm taking what I receive and giving it back to him because he's altogether lovely. And this morning, if you're in a place that's hard and you feel like God has forsaken you, he hasn't. You're not less of a Christian because of the struggle you're in or the battle you're fighting or the circumstances around you. You're not less of a child of God because of that. Because it's not measured by what happens in the body, it's measured by what happens in your spirit. Commit yourself to a faithful Creator. So, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you would say, Pastor, I needed that word this morning because I'm going through a fiery trial and I, I've really felt like I failed in some capacity. But God is giving me a fresh wind of His blessing this morning. If that's you, would you just hold up your hand and acknowledge that? Thank you. Hands going up all around. Thank you, thank you, thank you. hand's going up all around. Listen, he is faithful, and he's with you in the fire. He's with you in the trial. Arm yourself with his mind. Love one another, and commit yourself to him as a faithful creator, and we're going to make it together. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Pastor Nathan, help us. Let's give Jesus some praise this morning. Walking
1: around. I thought by now they'd fall, but you have.